0: This is Coda Radio, episode 194 for February 29th, 2016. Welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and unfortunately, our great, valiant host, established on the East Coast, is not joining us this week. No, folks? Mr. Dominic is out sick and inappropriate. It would be inappropriate for me to tell you why. But I'll just say it's with valid reason that he couldn't make it. Today's episode. And he wanted to. Seven minutes before I went on air, I got an email from him saying that I, well, for good reason why he couldn't make it. And, uh, you know, it left me in a quandary because uh, everybody knows about the news. February 24th, Microsoft, and specifically their cloud division, announced the acquisition of Zimerian, creators of Mono. Something we've talked a lot about on this show. We got a lot of emails about it. We got a lot of tweets about it. We got some great uh, submissions to our subreddit about it. So you guys are pretty hip to the story already. Uh, so there's no way I could sit here and do a show and walk back a year of logic with Mike about why we thought this was happening, if it's a good idea, what it means for opensource.net, and if it's a big blunder for Microsoft. There's no way I could do that without Mike being here. Uh, as they say, get it out of here. Get-
1: the hell out of here. Get out of here.
0: Right. And of course. Get it out of here. Get it out. That that's that's, that's got to go. So, uh with Mike being absent, I thought, well, let's do something maybe the next thing even better. To me this actually feels like a pretty huge historical moment. Uh not just in the context of Mono and Linux and all of that drama. But in a stake for what seems like the stakes are higher than ever for grabs for the future. You have Apple with Swift obviously, Microsoft now with Open source.net and their acquisition of Zimerian, which isn't just about Mono, it's not at all just about Mono, this is a huge deal. And so what we're going to do this week, since Mike couldn't make it, is we're going to take some of our coverage of Xamarin from the past, some of the good stuff, Mike working with the technology, trying to implement the technology, talking about Xamarin, talking about Microsoft and Xamarin, the rumors therein, all of that, give you sort of a, uh, a recap of our Zimmerian coverage, a recap. So that way, next week in 195, when hopefully, universe be willing, Mike is feeling better. Next week in 195, when we get down and actually talk about this, you guys will be perched upon a overcliff of quarter radio, reviewing all of our past Sumerian coverage like wise goats. Uh, what? Uh, something like that. Uh, close to that, at least. So the idea here is, with Mike out, let's go back, let's do a retrospective of our, of our Zimmerian coverage, and then next week we'll hunker down and talk about this. And this would be, please do take this opportunity to send your thoughts and go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. This would be, oh, choose Quota radio from the drop down, that's kind of a given. This would be an excellent opportunity to, to give you guys time to reflect on this news and, and comment on the show and do some great feedback on the show. We generally do one or two emails an episode. Uh, because we want to be picky about the feedback that we cover in Coda Radio. So if you could send us in something about this that was thought-provoking, we would love to cover it. So you can email us directly, com, or uh, use the contact form. And then join us live, check the calendar. Hopefully Mike's going to be feeling up for it. We'll do an episode next week all about it. So this week, let's go back in time. And I was, I you know what, I have to be honest with you guys. I can't, I, I can't believe it, how long we've been talking about this. Uh, you can, um, obviously by the emails and the tweets and the, all of that that we've gotten from you guys, you guys can totally, you, like you, you, I, I really appreciate it because you guys, um, you guys are totally like when you email and you're like, you guys called it. And that is kind of rewarding because we haven't been talking about this for a while. So it's kind of cool that you guys acknowledge that anyways, I, I'll stop navel gazing for a moment, but let me just say this, uh, according to your emails, you you guys are on top of this already. So Uh, I really don't need to tell you any of this, but going back, it looks like at least since episode 40 of the Coda Radio program, we've been talking about this, uh, which is just astounding, just absolutely astounding. So uh, anyways... I hope you enjoy the retrospective of our Zemarian coverage, and then uh, please, please tune in next week for uh, our full coverage of it. I, I, at least I assume that's what we'll be talking about, unless unless the hoopla explodes next week and something else comes up. But I imagine this is what we're going to be talking about next week, so this is probably a great opportunity to reflect on previous moments in Coda Radio history. All right, so Zemarian, which uh, used to be easel, which then became... This thing got consumed by Novell, and they created mono develop and then broke out on their own and became zamerian
1: right? It's complicated, so it's not quite like that. Okay, so apparently it's called Zamarin, not zamerian I was corrected this week.
0: <sighs> what a stupid name.
1: So I have to question their naming, because zamarian sounds a lot better.
0: That's it. I'm done.
1: That's it? You're done with them? He's a jackass.
0: No, it's fine. Okay, so it's supposed to be Z- not not... what is it? xamarin apparently it's xamarin xamarin okay okay
1: so i have been playing with it for a little over a week now since it came out e it's interesting um i don't know how to say this nicely mono develop sucks so you know xamarin has their own ide now which is great well i've always heard mono develop wasn't bad oh it sucks i'm sorry it's 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 like it's okay like xcode is okay okay I might just be bitter, though, because Xcode is awful. Anyway, the Xamarin IDE is a lot nicer. But it really, you know, Xamarin's focused not necessarily on mono, but more on the mono-mobile aspects. And they have actually don't support a lot of the old mono development stuff, so like ASP.NET thing and basically that. Um, but at a larger level, there are... So, Remember, Chris? I think it was episode like four. We talked about uh, "Write Once, Run Anywhere."
0: Right. I mean, this has always been sort of the promise of Mono, right?
1: Thank you, Mister Roboto. They're
0: they're they're, uh, but their specialty is more like creating the bottom layer of the application, right?
1: So it's interesting what they're doing. Uh, so let's say you have Model View Controller, right? Your models and your controllers can be reused. For let's say you're doing a Windows Phone, iOS, and Android, or more realistically, iOS and Android. Okay. But your your views and maybe part of your controllers need to be rewritten from scratch for each. It's a very, it's, so it's interesting, right? It's trying to get around the it look, you know the quote Android, I mean the quote uh, Java app look on the desktop. Right. So the idea is that a mono develop app looks like a native app.
0: Because the front end is essentially native, right?
1: Right. It's a C sharp wrapper. Yeah. Well, it, it's a little complicated, but it, you know, f- f- the way the API looks in iOS, there's a class called UI View Controller, and Mono in uh, Xamarin. See, I'm still calling it Mono, which is great. Is, uh,
0: is Mono developed dead now?
1: No, I, I think they're just separate now.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Which is a shame because this is a much better IDE.
0: Um, I, what, why would I want, now I'm, I'm, this is an honest question, I'm not trying to be stupid, but why would I want this over just using the tools available to develop for iOS? Is it just so, so that so way I can leverage? Where, yeah, th-
1: this is where I got a little lost. I, so one thing is, you know, I generally work on a Mac, so having their IDE was great.
0: But this only works on a Mac, right?
1: This right, says, but, but they have a Visual Studio plugin, so... They've always had the Visual Studio plugin. The Mac IDE is new, and I think it runs on Linux, but I'm not sure.
0: No, know, the chat room says it doesn't.
1: Oh, so it's Mac only. Yeah. Okay, but the IDE is signed, right? Because that's, that's not a huge deal. Most people, I get the sense most people using this are actually developing in Visual Studio. Okay. You know, I'm not a huge .NET guy. Uh, I've certainly done some .NET. I recently shipped a project for the Windows Store. But I, you know, I'm more than comfortable in Objective-C as well in Java. So I kind of had to ask myself, why would I either recommend this to someone when there is a licensing fee or pick this for myself? Um,
0: This to me, I mean, I'm looking at the price. So their Enterprise Edition uh, is almost $2,000.
1: And, I mean, to be to be fair though, most most people are going to be fine with the indie edition if they're just a small time client, and the business edition will will do it for uh, it's a thousand dollars off the top, whatever you're going to charge for consulting, but or on top of that, I should say, yeah, it's expensive, right? Mm,
0: yeah, i just I just think that what this to me sounds like is um, this is targeted at Windows developers who want to move their iOS app. They want to they want to take their app and move it over to iOS, right?
1: Yeah, and I don't want to hit this too hard, but I get the sense it's targeted at people who have been in .NET space for a while and are trying to move into something more, you know, hip.
0: They're jumping ship and they need a bridge?
1: And they need a bridge, or maybe they're not necessarily jumping ship, but they, you know, Objective-C is very foreign to them. Right. And while you're at it, you may as well get Android support. The problem I have is that you know, in theory, it's great. I mean, it's a good idea, right? The bottom layers of your app, so to speak, can be shared because the business logic is business logic is business logic, right? I mean, it's you know, it's not a big deal. No, it's just business you know, Interacting logic. with the server, fine. But then you have to rewrite all your views. And at least my experience writing mobile apps, especially on iOS, has been a lot of your QA issues and a lot of your time actually goes on that view layer. And that's where a lot of the cost goes. You're duplicating that for two, two platforms now. If you're writing an app that's not super designed, or it doesn't have like you know a lot of design or skeuomorphism going on, maybe it's not so bad. But I'm just thinking that's a that, lot. That, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So so you're you're now. This is not necessarily a bad thing. But what you're kind of saying there is this isn't really saving you on the part that takes the most time and energy. It's like you're able to yeah, you can build the business end of it, and that is you know great, but. Honestly, not as much work, typically, as the front-end.
1: In my experience, that's true.
0: Right. You know, I mean, I, I, gosh, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but this, the Xamarin guys remind me of the classic problem that we seem to have in open source, and these, that was their roots. They're no longer really <laughs> so much, but, I mean, I don't know what their license yeah, is.
1: Yeah, so, they're, they're, so that's another interesting point, not to sidetrack you, mm-hmm. but... So the Xamarin IDE is built on the MonoDevelop core, right? But they're very quick to say, "Oh, but don't worry, we've, we've built all the important parts." Yeah. So they're kind of they're, they're very. It's really an interesting. Well, I idea. think
0: I think for certain elements of the Mac development community, open source has a real stigma. There's there's sort of an anti-source. I mean? Oh, I, really?
1: I most Mac developers, I oh with. i'm not saying they
0: won't take advantage of open source and use it uh,
1: but i would say i would dude, say that dude, free software has a stigma what open was source, the what was that uh,
0: uh editor the mac editor that uh, went open source and just about every big mac head had a total kitten over it because oh my god it went open source it's the end of the world what was uh, that Textmate 2. yeah you see Textmate one they, they hate open source
1: they loved it I mean, he got a beautiful write-up in ours i hated it so my point only- my the point, point is, open though, source, the the, most part.
0: these guys who come from an open source heritage, one of the classic problems is they really get off on on infrastructure, infrastructure, this infrastructure, that infrastructure. Right. So they have built the tool so that you can build your own ultimate portable infrastructure. And that is a needed market. But it seems like the reality is, like, if I was going to build an iOS app, I would just I don't know why, if I'm only building, if I'm only building for iOS, there really seems no point in using this. And if I'm only building for Android, there really seems no point in using this.
1: Okay. So this is where it gets a little messy, right? That was my question. But, you know, originally I saw this not as a tool for first party development, but as for consulting. Because a lot of people call me and their budgets aren't quite where they need to be. Right. So you need to, you know, I'm sure you've had this in sysadmin too. And a lot of the times it ends up being that we go with something like phone gap, you know, to kind of get into their range. At first I was hoping this would be a faster phone gap, right? Uh-huh. But and there is definitely, I definitely understand why they want you to write the views twice, but that does add a significant cost terms of time, which equates to money.
0: Now, it does mean you could sort of build up a library of some of this stuff, for and then you could then take something you wrote for an Android client and reuse some of this for the iOS version and save yourself time and make more money.
1: You, you could, but it's, it's super unlikely. You know, in my experience, it's always that last QA cycle where they start talking about design, that things get hairy. Or that's where, you know, if you were under budget that's where you hit your budget and I just you know I I would love to be wrong right but I don't see how this is I don't see that how this is a game changer particularly because of the licensing fee so <clears throat> any of the costs saved to the client we're, we're then throwing a thousand dollars back on because if they're doing two apps they have to have the business license
0: so uh I think right. this is I think this is interesting because
1: uh it's just, it's a great idea and you know if I was shipping an app that I wanted to be cross platform and for whatever reason I didn't want to go the html5 route
0: like uh, a game like a video game
1: yeah well, so okay it gets weirder chris it the relationship to this and mono game isn't exactly clear
0: okay cuz it seems like the natural tie in
1: you can use them together but you don't really
0: I mean that seems like the perfect use of the two.
1: Right. Monogame game is great, but mono game is kind of its own. You know, mono is kind of its own beast, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things you have to consider even going the monogame route before you look at this. <laughs> and whoa, Heather. And with you Oops, know, sorry.
0: with Microsoft sort of sunsetting XNA, what's the real likely long term future for mono game? Because mono game is an open source implementation of XNA.
1: Oh, I think MonoGame is doing just fine. I mean, I'm I'm using I'm following them on GitHub and I'm constantly oh, getting Oh, I, I don't. But I yeah. mean,
0: do you think three years from now people are going to create new games using MonoGame? When the
1: I, I think MonoGame is either going to go away, but I think more likely it's going to evolve out of its baby X and it's uh you know XNA ah, 2.0
0: coming yeah. and it's going to be its
1: own thing and yeah. XNA is going to be a distant memory. That'd be interesting. Or or it'll fade because I mean it, they have to right and, and they. And looking, you know, kind of following what they're doing, they kind of are doing their own thing now. Like, they're not so worried about being X and A mm-hmm. plus plus. Okay.
0: That's cool. I love they got Ouya support listed.
1: Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're going in directions that, you know, certainly complicate the framework, though, right? I,
0: what, what I think is interesting about what Zamerian or Xamarin's doing is how aggressively they're going after the Mac market. So Miguel has come out and said, oh, I'm a Mac user. I've switched to... Hey, everybody, I switched to the Mac. Right. You all should know this. Of course, he did it years ago, years ago. In fact, remember, there's just a hoopla not too long ago, uh, you know, and it was right in there. He was a he, Mac user. Uh, yeah,
1: he, why well, he didn't like the Linux desktop anymore.
0: But, I think. but they're, also, they're also buying ads on a lot of Mac publications like uh, DaringFireball.net. So they bought... Uh, and here's their ad read. Uh, Xamarin blends the iOS... And C Sharp world together in only a way that a seasoned iOS developers accept. Raw access to every iOS API combined with all of C Sharp's great features and functional style programming. Language integrated query and seamless processing of XML, JSON, and web services. And that's sort of their like... If, so I think the key words in that pitch are seasoned iOS developers, raw access to every iOS API... Right, and I think that, and uh, and uh, I think those are sort of like the key points they want to hit on in this. What is really a one paragraph sales pitch that they probably paid sixty five hundred dollars for?
1: What it's very. I don't know how close you follow iOS developer publications. Not very. There is one language iOS devs, exception of me and a few others, really don't like. That language would be Java. (laughs) So. One of the reasons you sometimes for many developers won't see them go to Android or like Marco Arment did will just contract out the Android version. Because they just don't want to deal with it. And that's fair enough. I have to say, when I left my early job working Java and freaking Eclipse all day, I did not want to write any more Java for a while.
0: Well, does this is this maybe the opposite then? Is this for iOS developers who want to abandon ship and move over to Android?
1: No, the, you, you. I'm sorry, you can't ship a product like Xamarin without getting iOS on board.
0: Right, but, I mean, let's be honest, Android's kind of blowing up. I mean, maybe people want to move their iOS apps over.
1: Android's blowing up, but, I mean, very anecdotally, because, you know, I've, I haven't i have done a study, but I can only tell you what I've seen in the last year, two years, three years, four years. When someone comes to me with a budget for an iOS project, they're far closer to being reasonable than they are with Android. And What do you mean are, in terms of cost? terms of cost in terms of you know they're hiring a designer when they go for ios they've really got a nice tier designer um
0: well i mean I, that's all gonna change with time right don't you think
1: maybe i mean i think sure it will it will get better like
0: did you see did you see this post from the pocket cast guys that was linked to us on google plus that were basically they oh yeah,
1: sp- yeah yeah and their post makes a lot of sense because why the hell would they want to compete with apple
0: Right, and but they're yeah. saying we're seeing four x the sales rate on Android than we are, and of course that makes sense. There's a, there's a very competitive uh, podcast client market on iOS, and plus Apple has their own. Yeah. But and listens dead on Android, but I, I I I that is not the first post I've seen where they've said we're seeing four x five x. There was another blog post recently that says we we release on Android first because we have more sales there now.
1: But you you okay? You're conflating a few things though, right? So the developers often see the next trend before the biz devs and investors do. Sure. A lot of these folks are just throwing money into iOS and are just throwing money into tablet apps. So Android definitely has room to grow. But if Xamarin didn't get some serious iOS support, iOS and Mac developer support, it wasn't going to go anywhere. Android wouldn't be enough because a lot of iOS developers were contractors, you know, do Moonlight as Android developers. Mm. I mean, I basically, that's what I do, right? I, I do mostly Mac and iOS now with some, although Chris, to be honest, HTML5 has been... Uh, blown up? It, it, we should talk about it. It's been...
0: It's what your most recent couple of gigs have been all about, right?
1: Well, I mean, there's... there's so it's interesting. I've been writing a lot of native components with tying into HTML5. But yeah, HTML5 has certainly grown for me. Uh, it's definitely grown faster than native Android did.
0: And well, that's interesting. Well, I mean, yeah. I, guess, I guess I'm guess i pleased because then everybody gets to have fun, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I can type, you know, input type equals date, and it just does it for me now when, you know, 10 months ago that wasn't the case, right? You needed a crazy phone plugin to do that. So yeah. I'm very happy with the way things have gone with WebKit. Mm-hmm. And I say WebKit in particular because, yeah, use WebKit.
0: <laughs> uh, Microsoft sorry. Microsoft has just uh, sent us an email and said that uh, they feel like uh, you should check out Internet Explorer for mobile, and uh, they would appreciate it if maybe <laughs> you could reconsider.
1: If I were to stop doing TAC-TAC WebKit, even when it doesn't need it, like, just kind of like, yeah, hey, I would just throw it everywhere. Right. I don't actually do that. People who are going to rage me out in the emails. So no. uh,
0: any 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 kind of like wrap thoughts to just sort of wrap up the Zamarin uh, or Xamarin?
1: I, you know, I don't mean to poo-poo it. I think it's an interesting idea. Architecturally, it is a great way to develop an app. But to pitch it to a client versus HTML5, you know, when they don't have a budget, is going to be hard. Or if they do have a budget... They really are interested in the best user experience. Pitching this versus a double native, you know, so native on each platform is also questionable to me.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: So I'm trying to see, you know, maybe for if you're developing an indie app for yourself and you're gonna sell it, yeah, maybe that would make a lot of sense. Because then the indie license is only three hundred dollars instead of a thousand.
0: Hmm. Yeah, their prices are a little high for the right. for the bigger stuff. But the for the for like the but, like, the average Joe, I guess, it's Yeah, it's not too prohibitive.
1: I mean, to their credit, their prices used to be higher and used to be able to not start for free. Now they're letting you start for free. Mm. So, or they, they kind of could start for free before. Uh, one other key that we haven't discussed, maybe we'll discuss it next week, is Mono Mac, which they're pushing pretty hard. <laughs> which I think is a non-starter, but...
0: Yeah, I, I mean, whatever. It just that just...
1: <laughs> If you're writing a Mac app and you're going to put it on the Mac App Store and you're not writing it in Cocoa... That's,
0: I'd be curious if people think I'm wrong, but it seems to me possibly like mono, I mean, with HTML5 taking off and all this kind of stuff, maybe they're trying to solve last year's problem.
1: Well, I will say with, within, you know, from 20, you know, from the last two years, HTML5 has come from, you know, I didn't, I thought it was so slow it wasn't viable, right? To, I've shipped already several products on it this year. The year is very young.
0: Yeah, with it, with yeah. The, yeah, a lot of that's because of improvements in WebKit and Chrome and and efforts from Google. Yeah, right? I mean if
1: you just cap yeah. Android, say 2.3.3 or better, you're you're okay. Like. <laughs> uh, and the same thing for iOS, if you say 5.0+, plus, yeah, your JavaScript is gonna be good enough, right, to get away with it.
0: Alright, Mr. Dominic, why don't we shift gears and talk about build? Uh it just wrapped up last week a Build 2014. Microsoft made some big announcements. They said they're open sourcing their .NET compiler and uh, their their whole platform. Uh, yes, Roslyn, yes. right? This is huge, right?
1: I, this, I don't even know what this means. Um, you know, I put on Twitter last night that I thought it was a big deal. Some folks have questioned, well, why does it matter? Uh, I think this is huge, right? I mean, one of the biggest complaints out of Xamarin has been since Microsoft only selectively open sourced um, .NET before. Right, right. They had to kind of guess Uh, at the minimum, this is going to be huge for Xamarin developers
0: at the minimum. um, I think this is, I think this is a really big deal. Now I think most of it's under an Apache license. um, Yeah. It's
1: very permissive.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I, and I think uh, a lot of people are saying this is a response in, you know, trying to stay relevant while they still can. Uh, I, 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 I really like Mary jo, Mary uh, Joe Foley's take on this uh Mary J Joe Foley uh wrote uh, let's see did I yeah over on ZDNet she wrote a piece um after she talked with some guys behind the scenes and she's always really good at kind of getting the root of the Microsoft story she's she's um one of my favorite Microsoft uh followers and uh you know I think one of the things Mike that uh has been talked a lot about with uh, some of these most recent announcements and I'm including like office for the iPad and now the open sourcing of a lot of the NET platform. Um, a lot of people are saying, Oh, it's Satya Nadella. And in fact, uh, over, over the weekend, I wrote a piece from business week that said in five days, Satya Nadella has turned Microsoft around and transformed the company. And that was the headline. And like, Implying that like he he got it. Balmer stepped out and Satya sat down and went. Know what I'm gonna do? Office for the iPad. Know what else I'm gonna do? Open OpenSource.net and like just snapped yeah. his fingers. Like come
1: on. Balmer gets a bad rap, right? Balmer. It, it's silly to think. It, now it's it's possible that they held the iPad versions of Office and they held open sourcing this. A for build and B. To give the new CEO something to show because for the, you know, for the media, that's a great narrative, right?
0: It's already yeah. building. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it helps them it's, build the story. It, of you know,
0: Mike, if, if that is true, it would be one of the most brilliant maneuvers we have seen out of Microsoft in the last five years.
1: It's pretty obvious it is, right? Those iPad apps have they take a very long time to develop. I can tell you as an iOS developer, the quality and the feature richness that certainly wasn't done in five days.
0: No, no, of course not. In fact, so uh, Mary Jo was talking to Somer, Soma Smosinger. Oh, boy, that's awful. He's the corporate vice president of Microsoft developer division. So he's the guy that would know. He told Mary Jo at Build last week that they have been working around open sourcing more of .NET for the last three years. They've been working on this. In fact, the Zimmerian guys have been flying out there, right. partnering with Microsoft, and they were a key advisor in all of this. Uh, now, which is interesting because some inside Microsoft were initially quite leery of Zimerian's goal to help the .NET developers write apps that worked on Android and iOS sure. because they felt like those platforms were competing with Windows. But over time, you know, more and more people inside Microsoft saw Zimerian more as friend than foe, and they started listening to these guys. And so they started saying, OK, well, if we're going to open source these, how do we need to do it? How do we engage with the community? And according to what Mary Jo got, this has been three years in the work, and, and Zimerian in the last few uh, months has been really coming in and kind of closing up the deal, which might be why we've seen a lot of these acquisition rumors floating around. Yeah.
1: I don't, you know, I don't know what to, to think. I mean, it, the legal implications of them open the source of this took more than, you know, two months, right? For the sure. idea that this is all Satya coming in and being like, I'm changing everything.
2: Superman!
0: Yeah, it's
1: just <laughs> not true, right? No. I mean, we're not going to see what his policies are for at least another thing.
0: This is six the Lippmann's test for actual journalists versus right. the armchair journalists. Like, when you see him writing these, these Satya's changed the Company in Five Days headlines, add that one to your armchair journalist list. You know
1: what he's probably changed? He's probably changed uh, his office, mm-hmm. I'm sure, quite a bit. And he's probably maybe changed a few cultural things.
0: I wouldn't be surprised things. if some of the recent Azure price adjustments weren't, you know, coming from his his office. Well, but he was also
1: the head of Azure. Exactly. So certainly, uh, you know, and maybe changing the name from Windows Azure to right. Microsoft yeah. Azure. I could see that too. But even that, because again, they've had so many problems with names. Yeah, yeah. There had to be some sort of legal review.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I don't.
0: Well, you know, the chat room thinks this is Microsoft taking on Java. Uh, you know, the chat room Again. says that with them open sourcing uh, C Sharp, it's a full on shot at Java. And some people in the chat room are speculating that this is going to eventually put it. This is going to leave Java in the dust.
1: Well, so that's interesting. I mean, I'm a I'm a fairly notorious yeah. Java fan, um, and I would say that there are a number of things in C Sharp that are frankly better. The um, yeah. The idea that someone else would take C sharp, other than Xamarin, and do an implementation that could compete with Java is—I'm trying to think of who would want to do it, unless Xamarin decided to get into the whole full stack and offer like a web services and Mm. ASP.NET equivalent, Mm. which is also open source. So I guess they could at this point. Yeah, you know, but the Mono runtime has never been great.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a pretty big deal and it's part of an overall uh I think what they're trying to do is I think Microsoft is is actually fully come to terms with all right, we deemphasize the individual platforms, we emphasize the infrastructure, the back end services, and the and dot net plays into that. You know, they created the dot net foundation as part of all of this to foster open development and right. collaboration right. with the community. That seems like a really big deal. This is a serious commitment on their part. You right. know, it's maybe not my favorite license in the world, but it's 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 a real license that people can use. It's not some made up thing. Oh,
1: so, what, what's your? It's interesting because I release my open source under Apache 2. What's your issue with Apache 2? I
0: I, I I probably, you know, I'm not a big licenses person to begin with. Here, I usually fall into the camp of stuff. Either it's usually BSD licensed, which is close to Apache, or yeah, GPL. That's similar. Yeah, or GPL. And it just depends on what it is and what license is best okay. for it.
1: So I and you I know, think for, that makes sense. I mean, if you look at it, and uh, you know, from my perspective, I'm usually open sourcing little toolkits, yeah, little utility kits that I've used in uh, that I use in sometimes code journal or other internal projects, uh, or stuff I just do on the weekends to use in client projects later.
0: You know, I've watched GPL. So I had a I had an old friend who had a really great product for schools that was GPL. He had somebody come along and take it up and they did some really cool work with it and really impressed upon it. But, you know, they, they were, they built 20% of their solution on top of his whole stack and uh, they kind of put him out of business, but using, because of the GPL, he was able to get that code back, make his project and product better. And, you know, he was able to sort of have a rebound and also then built out his own new niche. He sort of pivoted and created a new niche using some of their improvements and, I watched him go on this yo-yo cycle of like, oh man, I'm devastated. They just took my own code and just put me out of business. Oh wait, I'm benefiting from them modifying my code. Now I have a new market opportunity and he sort of came back. Like it was like a comeback scenario and I thought, wow, you know, it is, it sort of saved him that he got that code back when he put it out there like that. And so I can see, you know, there's, there's good uses for all different types of licenses. And I think that the fact that it's not some sort of Microsoft shared code license
1: yeah, I mean that would be a non-starter, right? right.
0: Yes, for me. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the deal breaker, and it's not that; it's a serious commitment, and that's what I get from
1: it. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna alienate some people here, but even the open to uh, contributors thing makes me a little
0: right. Yeah. Uneasy. The CLA is yeah, it, it's very controversial. Uh, hold that thought right there. I'm going to thank DigitalOcean for a second because now that I think about it, Mike, it, it is it's pathetically, pathetically almost gotten to the point where what I need more than anything else is is Chrome on any desktop. And if I couldn't use Linux, I, I, I with Chrome, I might have to switch. Um, before though, before we go into that, uh, and then also we have a lot more coming up. This is this is a packed episode. This is the first topic. <laughs> so uh, let me tell you about DigitalOcean. Use the promo code coder digital. And get yourself a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean. Man, the world's number two hosting provider now. That is amazing to watch them grow. And there's, there's rumors, rumors about a new data center opening soon. I'm sure I'll tell you about that when we hear more.
1: Town, new Jersey.
0: I don't think it's New Jersey. I think it's more like India. But uh, we'll wait and see. For all
1: your Bruce Springsteen and Bajo V hosting needs.
0: <laughs> it would be very convenient for Mike. So just think about it, DigitalOcean. It could be big. So what is DigitalOcean? It's your way to go spin up a machine on demand that is super fast, a great value, and really easy to manage, but not dumbed down. It's very clever in the way they've actually designed the interface. And man, does it work great. Use the promo code, code CoderDigital, to get a $10 credit. You can get started in less than 55 seconds, and pricing plans start at only $5 a month. You can get 512 megabytes of RAM for that. A 20 gigabyte SSD, because they're all SSDs. It just goes up from there. A blazing fast CPU and a terabyte of transfer. And DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany, and who knows, a new one may be coming soon. But it's that interface. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard about DigitalOcean... Everything besides the interface impressed me. Linux, KVM, SSDs, 40 gigabit e-connectors, connections out to the entire world. Great locations for the data center. Unbelievable price. Okay, that's all pretty good. Then I started spinning up my first droplet. Then I, then, then I became a, a, basically, if I could marry and have DigitalOcean's child, I would. It would be a beautiful droplet-human hybrid, and I would be proud of that. Because that interface is that good. I'm committed to that interface. That's how good that is. That's a good interface. It's really good. And they have a straightforward API. So if you don't want to use the interface, you can write some code to do some stuff. Or take advantage of a lot of code that already exists. Or just sort of be like a consumer of it on the front end. You choose your distro, and they have Ubuntu, CentOS, Debian, Fedora, CoreOS, or FreeBizzle. And then you can use their API sort of not even really intending to. Because they will use it to deploy applications or entire stacks for you. I want to emphasize that if you're going to be deploying software in Docker, I want you to seriously consider starting with DigitalOcean's base Ubuntu 1404 Docker image. It has prerequisite software preloaded for you. It's pulling Docker from the official Docker repos and not from the Ubuntu repos, which is a common mistake. They've integrated the GPG signatures from Docker, so you make sure you're getting the right stuff. Future updates come right from upstream the way Docker wants you to get them. But the best part is, if you need to just sort of go back to basics, one click, it resets the machine right back, Ubuntu base, Docker, all that stuff. I did a Docker Nginx base, but, you know, you can mess around with this stuff. And then you just redeploy your images, your Docker containers to it, and you are literally up in seconds. A fully, like, you know what, like, you just have any issues you don't want to have to hassle with, the fact that you can go in there and click a button, it wipes out the OS and reloads the base OS with just the packages you need, but the stuff it keeps is like the little stuff you don't want to have to set up again. You know, like the like any of the networking settings you've set in, in there, or any of the backup settings you've set up in there, or... Uh, like the DNS stuff, none of that stuff has to be redone. So it is a real quick reset right back to basics. You redeploy the container, and you are up and going. I did it three or four times when I was setting up Rocket Chat for last and because I wanted to have a valid, known, good config that I could review from. And anytime I got a little iffy or things went off the rails or something, I was like, you know what? There is no reason to kind of have a sort of wiggly, iffy kind of feeling in the back of my mind. Reset. Redeploy. Back up and running in seconds. Use the promo code CODERDIGITAL. Go check them out digitalocean.com. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the CODER radio program. All right, Mike. So, uh, I, you know, we've, we, I almost feel like we've been accidentally building to this topic over like the last three weeks. So, we talked, uh, maybe even the last four weeks, because first we talked about material and what Google's trying to do with design and how the materials sort of, um, you know their attempt to kind of make android a, have a unified look that works in multiple different uh, form factors then we talked about building interfaces and the tools that are available for that and how much they suck and then you had a blog post uh, or at least i don't know if you wrote it but uh oh yeah it was on your blog over at dominicm.com you wrote up a review of the uh Zumerian, is it the is it the entire suite or are you just looking at the forms aspect in this review
1: So this review is actually just looking at uh, Vanilla Xamarin. So this gets a little weird. Uh, Oh, late on me. Xamarin uh, has two very different offerings. One is what in the past was just called Xamarin, which is basically, and this is a gross oversimplification, right? But basically a C-sharp wrapper around native iOS and native Android APIs. And that one, you know, we were talking about the user interface tools before. That one actually uses the, uh, you know, the storyboard files out of uh, iOS and uses the same Android layout files. Very much just say, do you know C sharp? Do you want to do mobile? Let's do it. Right. Some limited co-sharing, but not a ton using classic Xamarin. Then there's this new offering called Xamarin Forms, which is totally different. Okay. Um, this review is only of Xamarin. And the reason for that is Xamarin forms is incredibly new. Okay. That makes sense. And, uh, I am doing some work with it, but I mean, you know, just kind of a full disclosure thing. It's so new that when you're working with it, you're talking to the developers working on it
0: kind Mm, of thing. Okay.
1: And they're saying there's things that they haven't finished yet. There's stuff like that. Xamarin forms is certainly not something you're going to want to ship in your enterprise unless it's like a skunkworks project just yet.
0: Well, I, I'm kind of, I in a way, I feel like maybe this is an opportunity. I'm gonna, you know, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about it because uh, I think being just full, fully honest with you is, I hold uh, multi level biases towards Zemarian, right. uh, I, and I've, i and I think kind of some of that comes from like. Real basic, where I've seen like, yes, we can create something that's not the native, not from the native uh, SDK and IDE, and we'll build it out into a binary that you can drop on that platform. It'll be just like it made it in Xcode, just like that, only not quite. And then you go to actually use it, and it's crap. So I've got like this bias towards these build it in, the, you know, this completely foreign uh, language, you know, so in this case, maybe and I could be completely misunderstanding, but you write something in C sharp, but the target platform, they expect you on that platform to use the target language is objective C. So you're not create, it's like a, it's like, you're, it's almost like you're sneaky, you're getting away with something a little bit, you're sneaking it past the cops and uh, submitting this app that uh, you made with, uh, with, with the outlaw development environment. That's I'm I'm kind of exaggerating the bias, but yeah, that's what so that's what I conjure up when I think of Zamarian.
1: I mean I, I am right on the Hater train with you and you know, software written in Real basic software written in uh, even some of the old Java GUI kits were terrible, right? Yeah, uh, one exactly. might argue that Java <laughs> FX is also terrible. Oh but so the road to Zam I mean, we've been doing Xamarin for almost for actually several months now. Um, and the road to Xamarin was kind of, you know, Chris, do you remember dating in high school? Yeah. You know, it started with a little bit of a, you know, a look in a hallway. Yeah. Maybe a quick chat at a locker. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I here.
0: dialed in that uh, the band geeks were definitely the low-hanging fruit for a computer oh,
1: nerd. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs>
0: what? No, I mean, <laughs> but band wow. girls need love too, man. Um, it's not a disservice. I'm taking, I'm, 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 uh, I was answering a market need. What? Come on.
1: <laughs> the true capitalist. Um, <laughs> anyway, my point is this has been something of a long flirtation. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's why, you know, some of the folks writing in, um, I won't say complaining, but I will say bitching that we haven't covered any technical tools was because I wasn't sure that I wanted to just dis- discuss Xamarin because I know sometimes people take everything I discuss as like a super endorsement. And kind of get pissed off when it doesn't work out for them. So I kind of played it cool, right?
0: You wanted to kind of... Uh... Well,
1: I wanted to. I wanted to be sure I liked it. Yeah, yeah. So <sighs> Xamarin is a tool that solves a problem. Now the problem we've been having is we get lots of people who call and say, "Hey, uh, fingertip, we want an app. We want it on both platforms. We really don't have the budget." Right now we flirted with various HTML5 solutions. We've done projects, we've shipped successful projects in various HTML5 solutions. But there's just something about the HTML5 solutions that never really satisfied me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the one that you've probably heard of the most is PhoneGap, and PhoneGap is not something we recommend. Um, It's just not good, right? When when you're doing a PhoneGap project, you're shooting for almost okay. Like, that's the top you're going to get. Titanium is better. Um, the folks over at Telerik have something that's pretty interesting. But again, when we tried it out, it was very immature. So I've always, you know, so we have a market problem of people want dual platform apps, right? And I'm using the phrase dual platform rather than cross-intentionally.
0: So by dual, do you, do you mean iOS and, and Android? Android? So not like iOS and web, or Android and web?
1: No, no, no. no. That's a little
0: depressing, but okay.
1: Well... To be fair, though, right, your mileage may vary. I mean, Fingertip Tech has a reputation for oh, yeah, solutions. Oh, yeah, true, right, yeah, yeah, right, right, yeah. yeah. We, we haven't done, a, I mean, we've done a lot of web work, but a lot of it's of that silence right, of yeah. contracting kind of crap where we can't show it.
0: Right, so. no, that makes sense. You're known, you're, you kind of got a reputation for that particular area, so that's... In
1: fact, I, I can't tell you how many times another vendor's ended up doing the web application just because our customer didn't know we did it. Right, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, there is a level of self-selectingness to this, Where if you're in a general interactive agency or web development company, Xamarin probably doesn't make a lot of sense for you, right? I mean, if you're a pure HTML5 shop, Xamarin's probably not the way to go. Sure. So anyway, we have this problem where we have, you know, we've also been getting a, a lot more, let's say, line of business type work rather than consumer or maybe it's consumer, but it's it's consumer for one specific industry, right? It's like prosumer kind of stuff. Okay. Where you're not so worried about gradients of wood, which thank God Apple killed that in iOS seven. And you're you're you know, you're you're not really shooting for the tech crunch reading crowd, right? Right. You're shooting more for, you know, we're in this trade and all my guys need to carry this and do their job.
0: It needs to be functional. You and know. it
1: needs to be on both platforms. Yeah. And this is my budget. Okay. So double native is incredibly expensive, right? And there's this, in my mind, this fallacy of, oh, well, the development cost in double native is expensive. It is. But if you're doing two totally native code bases separate, the big cost is going to be that maintenance cost, right? Mm. You have to maintain both platforms totally independently of each other. So we got into a way of we have this certain class of customer. that we still offer native development. There's still a lot of customers who take us up on native development, but we have this certain group of customers, a certain for for very good business reasons, right? Because of what they're doing, need a a dual platform, uh, somewhat more cost sensitive solution. That's where Xamarin kind of comes in,
0: and and I would imagine too. Oftentimes, this is probably something that ties into maybe something that's a specific application that's unique to their industry or something that's semi-common, you know, like a Salesforce yes. backend or something like that. that
1: we're, we're not cloning Instagram and Xamarin. Right. Yeah. It's it's right.
0: stuff right. that, like, there's some database stuff you're going to have to be able to do, right? That kind of thing.
1: Whatever. A lot of it's, like, interacting with their internal service. Yeah, um,
0: yeah they're backend. They're back, you know, you've got to be able to search something and I pull mean, up the result it, from their database. It's
1: more, more B2B I I to use the word enterprise because these companies aren't you know enterprise big, but okay, yeah, it's it, it's more business prosumer than consumer. These apps again, not all of them we still do consumer apps. This this is just a growing segment of
0: yeah. Actually, I mean, I could honestly see um, pretty easily like uh, a lot of the stuff. It's interesting. A lot of the, our equipment now has an API in a way. Uh, so like yeah. our our mixer and uh, the lights and um. A few other things can all be controlled, like uh, they all have APIs available to them. And we could have like a Jupyter Broadcasting automation app that talks to this stuff. And I would maybe, in theory, be able to have like, you know, modes you go into, last mode, code to radio mode, and it would then send the, like a universal remote. (laughs) It would probably work just as well, too. Right. But that, yeah, that, I mean, and we're not some big enterprise, but that, as these technologies kind of just become more common, I could see us wanting to do something like that.
1: And from a cost perspective, some of these companies are actually allowing people to bring their own device rather than purchase, let's say, 200 iPads because it's cheaper, right? You don't have to buy the device. Yeah. The problem is you have to then potentially support Android as well or vice versa, right? If Because let's be honest, a lot of enterprises, at least of the size we're dealing with, are buying cheap uh, Android devices huh. rather than iPads purely out of a cost, uh, cost-cutting mm-hmm. perspective. So um, I'm going to get into some of the more technical stuff on Xamarin in a, in a minute. I just kind of want to go over the case for it. But there is some code sharing. There are some nice little tricks you can do. So the other argument, the other business case we've been able to make for it is, hey, 200-person company. You know, you're not huge, but you have like a four-person IT department, right? Guess what technology your IT department probably already is familiar with? .NET. Right. C-sharp .NET. Yeah again, overall theoretical overall cost of ownership is significantly lower in that case, right
0: well because I mean even if it yeah, even if it's sort of i mean yeah man, i mean it I could see that making such a difference if they're just that's the name of something they've heard of before, like even just that makes a difference, oh, c sharp, yeah, we know what that is
1: right I mean, I you know, in the earlier quarter radios, I recounted the stories of convincing i t managers that you know using an apple device wasn't going to bomb their exchange network, right <laughs> yeah. So there's certainly a, a let's say brand recognition quality mm. to C Sharp.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and, and and now we're not gonna talk about this today too, but C Sharp is actually a phenomenal language. Just gonna, gonna let that one slide for now. Um proprietary software is not ethical. It's actually open source now. Then your description is is not accurate. Wow. What happens yes. to you is not sufficiently important to justify the wrong you're doing. Yes, it is. I'm evil. What's wrong with that? Exactly. This is egregious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, I'm all, done. That, was, all right, that done. that was our RMS update. All right, so continue so, on, sir. This is fascinating to me, and yeah, actually so, quite illuminating.
1: So, quick recap, right? Cost, BYOB, which doesn't necessarily mean all those devices are going to be Android or. Or iOS, they're probably going to be some combination of both. And um, familiarity to IT, which is probably the most important thing on this list, right? If you can't get through to the IT manager, or even worse, if there's just one IT guy, you can't make the sale. And I'm sure Chris would tell you the same thing.
0: I, I agree 100%. Yeah.
1: Like if you, if you can't sell the guy in the technology you're using, even if you do manage to make the sale, he's just going to create roadblocks. I open.
0: definitely, uh, during my, my career, I think it's really interesting, as somebody who does the Linux Action Show, too, is I I witnessed the uh, arc of I lost the deal because I wanted to use Linux, and then I would have to sort of, like, learn to, like, sort of pivot on my feet and be like, oh, yeah, we could do it on Windows. And then, like, that arc finally concluded when I was leaving sort of the consulting gig as you win by selling it on Linux. Yeah, that runs on Linux. Yep, it'll run. Yep, we can do that on Linux. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that'll be no problem. Like, so it, it was a very fascinating thing because for a long time, there was this this sort of visceral bad reaction, uh, especially in the area I was working at, because it was at that time in the education sector, and there was a lot of money coming right. in from sure, Microsoft. Sure, sure. So there was like an extra little bit of preference towards Microsoft. Um, and then as I kind of expanded out from there, I, I, I witnessed sort of the, the general shift in perception from IT departments to more and more over time started asking for Linux. You know, can you do that with Samba? You know, those kinds of things. That was really fascinating to me to watch sure. because then all of a sudden became a market advantage to be able to say yes to that. Whereas in when I started in my career, it was a market disadvantage.
1: You know, it's funny. I actually recently lost a sale. Uh, because I wouldn't do something in Swift. <laughs> Swift? Because I'm afraid to ship Swift to a customer because it's not a 1.0 language, and you know the syntax can change.
0: How? How does that even? Is that even a thing yet?
1: Apple has managed to advertise Swift to non-developers to the point where super, like you know, middle management. You know, I'm the random finance official from this company who's been designated the project manager for their company. It's like, oh, but we we need Swift.
0: Someone who considers them like I'm a I'm an iPhone enthusiast.
1: Well, it's it's funny. Apple has managed to somehow create this sense to non technical folks that by your app being written in Swift, it will somehow be better. Wow, that is even though Swift is not finalized as a language in terms of syntax or APIs or
0: you know what that is right? That is that is the strength and currency of brand that Apple has
1: that's it's just it's it's horrifying like
0: that's amazing and it sort of just switches off the critical thinking area of people's brains
1: <laughs> yeah uh, we, we we ended up not being able to close the sale because you know i'm sitting there i'm saying well we could do it in swift but you know what if apple changes this syntax or something crazy midstream in this project
0: let me tell you about my friend c sharp and they said no thanks
1: well, we were we were actually saying, let me say about my friend, Objective-C, which oh, yeah. was fine for 20 years. My grandpa put it on this in Objective-C, <laughs> kind of like. Um, but it's just funny how for these middle management, pseudo-technical types, if they get a name in their head that they recognize as good, mm-hmm. regardless of if their argument is based on reality, you have to sell into it or you, or you just can't sell.
0: So do you think that uh, C-sharp has as much negative baggage associated with it as it has positive baggage? Or do you think it's all pretty much like when you come in there and saying you're dropping things like the C-sharp bomb and Zmarion and iOS and Android in the same sentence, are people like receptive to that? Or are they like, uh, I, uh, I know Xcode. I know about Objective-C. What's the reaction? So
1: outside of our little nerd bubble, uh, there's a couple important things. Uh, no one knows who Miguel de Caza is or what Mono was, right? Right. So there's no baggage. Yeah. Everybody knows, and, and more importantly, every IT manager will sign off on C sharp, right? And, th- and that's that's the Microsoft too. brand, right there. Right, and it's it's unfortunate.
0: I do know, in business, I mean, Microsoft has a really strong brand for kind of steady as it goes for business.
1: Well, I, I think it's unfortunate because in a lot of ways the C Sharp systems or the .NET systems these companies are deploying or have previously deployed, yeah. Xamarin is a lot more modern than them, right? Mm. So there's still a little bit of a disconnect there. Okay. Because, you know, you're running your 2003 uh, Microsoft server application. Yeah. You're still behind the ball, right? You're, yeah. still, you're still not exactly where you want it to be. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was very apprehensive about even getting involved with Xamarin at all, just because you know a lot of our customers are historically the people you know striving to be on TechCrunch or the well-funded incubators, right? Mm. And Microsoft is a dirty word over
2: there.
1: Mm-hmm. So is c sharp, yeah. Huge, yeah, huge batch. But anyway, you know. It, It is not the be-all and end-all, but it is another tool in the belt. And I think, Chris, I should tell you how it's being used. Yeah, I'd be curious. So the the shtick with Xamarin is not the Java of write-once, run-everywhere thing, first off. Get it out of your head. Um, And we're talking about vanilla Xamarin, right? We're not talking about Xamarin forms just yet.
0: So it is not write-once, run-everywhere?
1: No. No, 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 no. Hmm. Um, You know, if you read my review, I talk a lot about the tooling. Long story short, the tooling on Mac, uh, Xamarin Studio, is phenomenal. Visual Studio integration is great, but extremely expensive. Right. And, and the, uh, the Xamarin Studio on Windows is a piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, it's very clear that they they assume that if you're on Windows, you can afford the Visual Studio license.
0: Oh, okay. So I know this isn't your main point, but I right. wanted to ask you specifically, because this seems to be uh and because i read your review and what i got from this uh, to me i think long term one of the problems that's going to eat away at you is this particular issue so how about before we discuss that i want to mention linux academy because they're doing some cool stuff and we're talking about learning new languages we're talking about increasing our skill sets and we're talking about ways you can improve yourself and that's definitely linux linuxacademycom linux academy.com slash coders too is a place to go to get five dollars off a month Linuxacademy.com/coders. Now what is Linux Academy, my friends? This is really awesome. A group of extremely enthusiastic Linux users who have a background in education said, "You know, we have the ability to build the platform, provide the content, Let's go create something that people can subscribe to, and they can learn on their own with comprehensive study guides that you can download offline in video and audio. They have seven plus supported Linux distributions where the courseware adjusts to the distro that you choose. And they're always adding new things. That's why the monthly service makes so much sense. They've con- they're have they constantly getting better. They have an entirely new course called the OpenStack Essentials. It's 100% complete, and it's available at Linux Academy right now. You can get started on OpenStack and become an expert. They also have, they have some live sessions as well. So a lot of times they'll have complimentary content that goes with things like these OpenStack courses where they'll do live Q&As and you can ask them about that. So you can go directly to the expert and hey, if you've got something even after you've gone through the courseware that you're still wondering about, they have these sessions available. And the brand new AWS Certified SysOps Administration Prep Course has really come together with 14 hours and actually... I, might, I think it might actually be 15 hours of content now. I'm logged in right now over here at linuxacademy.com, and I fired up the AWS Certified SysOps Administrator Associates level. And what's great is right here at the beginning of the screen, if you're watching the video version, you can see all the details you're going to need to know to plan this. And then you just take it at your own pace. So this says module length is going to be 14 hours. What's really awesome is it actually breaks it down by each individual section. So I know, okay, I've got, okay, it's 14 hours total, but look, this section is seven minutes. This section is four minutes. This section here is 17 minutes. Well, okay, you know what? I can set aside about 40 minutes and do a couple of these. And then I can take some of the courseware with me and process it while I'm commuting using their audio files as I go and then come back and resume. And then I see exactly where I can stop, test myself, and continue on. Linux Academy is continually getting better and they're always adding new things. They have virtual machines integrated with the courseware. So as you get to a point where you need to do something, they spin up a virtual machine on the background for you. Now, the really cool thing is when you're doing AWS, they're also doing that for you. So you don't have to worry about paying AWS or signing up and getting all the key crap. And then you still get to go on and experience on the actual production AWS infrastructure because that's what they're running on top of. And you do real-world scenarios. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Go there. Just visiting them and checking them out lets them know you appreciate them supporting the show. But I think, really, if you've been sitting around and thinking maybe there's something a little more you could be doing, maybe go check them out. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. So, Mr. Dominic, when I was reading your review and knowing you, too, like I, I know, uh, at least from some of our conversations, it seems like to get in your in your zone, to get in the flow where... You know, you're like in the Matrix, and you're just piping. You're just right, straight from the brain to your fingers. Uh, don't you have to be kind of? Um, don't aren't you worried about if the tools are frustrating you? It's going to kind of prevent you from falling into that zone. And it sounds like, oh, this is great, this is great. But when it actually comes down to sitting down and using it, um, it's falling short.
1: So I would say that's fair, right? It's so we're talking about the IDE in particular, yeah. Xamarin Studio. Studio, yeah. Uh, Xamarin Studio is is phenomenal on that. There's okay. nothing wrong with it. It's, okay. it's as good as you would expect it to be. There's it's you know it's not it's fine. It, it's it's a very competent IDE,
0: and that's primarily where you'd be using it, I'd assume.
1: Right. So, I do have my desktop top workstation at my office it is currently a Windows machine, though. Um, oh, due go to figure. Project. Well, due to another project. The. So you would think that. You know, Xamarin Studio is a cross-platform IDE. It would be fine on Windows as well, and I was experiencing a lot of very strange issues on Windows. Um, syntax highlighting was incorrect. Oh, it was incorrectly marking things as errors that weren't, and that's... incorrectly marking things as valid that were errors. I mean,
0: even nothing else super distracting.
1: Right, and that's the thing. I spent like about an hour trying to figure it out, and <laughs> it's kind of googled around, and it's kind of a common thing because. Frankly, there aren't many Xamarin Studio users on Windows from what I'm finding in the forums and in the community. Oh, yeah. If you're on Windows, you probably have the Visual Studio uh, license.
0: So here's what I was wondering, and this is maybe just me uh, just still kind of uh, in aftershock from OSCON. Right. But it was was unbelievable how many Macs were at OSCON. In fact, I would say it's fair enough to say... Uh, you know, in a ratio, there was essentially no other manufacturer there. Now, that's not technically accurate because the sign-up booths and the registration booths had Dell laptops provided by the facilities, and there were a couple of ThinkPads there. But it, it was unbelievably skewed towards the Macs, and a lot of these guys are open-source software developers. They're on the Macs, and the other folks that were there are IT folks that their company sends them because, to be frank, OSCON's like, to get the good tickets where you can go see all the sessions, it's like 1200 or $2,000. So usually right. it's a company expense. And I thought that's for sure where you'd see the IBM ThinkPads and the Dell laptops, MacBooks, MacBooks, MacBooks. And we talked about this on Linux Unplugged, like it was unbelievable how many MacBooks. And so I'm wondering, is this, did I just see a skewed reality or is this just our developers switching to Mac OS X like in mass, in mass droves? And so for Xamarin, they look at that and they say, well, you know, we really uh, we're going to go after the largest percentage of our customer base. They might not be the biggest in desktop market share, but they're the largest in the people who buy our software. So we're going to go right. target for the Mac. Because the other thing that's interesting is there's there's specifically cloud targeted Linux platform distributions now, like Core OS. Uh, it's getting a lot of traction, and they've just released a whole series of guides on how to build out Core OS. And all of the guides are using Mac OS X in the instructions for a Linux distribution. So what the hell is it? Is it is it just did Apple just like come in and just win uh, for all for the developers in in, in mass or?
1: Yeah, no, it, you know I wouldn't say win because I know we'll get a ton of hate mail, but you know I'm I'm just thinking like um, it is very Mac heavy out there, right?
0: So is that why Xamarin's doing it, or do they really think, or is it really if you're on? See, I, what I guess I'm arguing with is I don't think it's well. If you're on Windows, you would just use Visual Studio because i think anybody who's building on something like Xamarin's doing they want to own that whole experience. They want you they want you to be in their studio. Uh, I,
1: I don't think they do actually. One really? one of their main features that they're selling to larger companies was the visual studio integration. Like if you, if you take a look at their marketing materials, they have the the you know, so if take a look at their pricing page, right?
0: But to me um, that honestly just seems like oh, here's an on-ramp so you can easily transition to using us.
1: No, it it the so I've used it with Visual Studio as well. I I use both. Yeah. The v- Visual Studio integration is not shallow. Yeah. Okay. It is fully functional, and if you have a Visual Studio setup, as I know many .NET developers do, where right? There's they're, they're hyper functional. Well, and haven't
0: they had some cooperation with Microsoft on yes. some of that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I'm looking at the pricing right now. Uh, yeah, and and the per month is a little shady because it's not in fact per month.
0: Yeah, you pay annually, so it's a thousand bucks a for, year.
1: Last week they made the indie per month, but for the... So the other problem is, like, if you are a company who has more than five people on payroll, you automatically don't qualify for the indie, which is very annoying. So is
0: Zemarian Studio just mono develop? Is it just...
1: it? They forked it. Okay. Um, having used the most recent version of mono develop, I can say it's significantly better than that. Yeah. Okay. A, lot, a lot of the bugs have been fixed, okay. at least on Macintosh. Okay. So you're looking at $83 a month, which is really, what, $1,000 a year per developer, per platform.
0: And that gets you uh, email support. It gets you Zimmerian forms, uh, unlimited app sizes. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting limitation. And so they will publish. You can publish directly from Zimmerian Studio to Play and uh, App Store.
1: They do like. It. I haven't tried the the commercial store publication abilities yet in Xamarin Studio. I'm not sure that yes, I would. That's I would. what they claim,
0: and the, even the Amazon yeah. one they say.
1: Yeah, there's there's some sort of integration. That's there,
0: neat. Yeah.
1: So there's a the pricing rubs me a little bit the wrong way.
0: Yeah, a little high.
1: If if not not even high, it just. So why would you be using Xamarin and not targeting more than one platform?
0: Right, of course.
1: So why are you charging me per seat per platform? Why not just say it's $2,000 per seat instead of saying it's 1000 per seat per platform?
0: Ah, uh, right? uh, yes.
1: Because so that, yes. that was something that, you know, when we did our purchasing, um, we had multiple calls with a, a very helpful sales rep from Xamarin. And it was something that I just kept getting tripped up on because one, you know, I'm not old enough to have paid for software development tools, right? Like very few people are. Not very few, but I can't think of too many developers I know, even you know, five to ten years older than me, that have actually paid for tools, other than maybe IntelliJ. That's kind of a different thing, right? No, like paying for languages, paying for platforms. Yeah, that kind of died out in the early '90s. I mean, you didn't pay for Java. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking like the Borland Delphi kind of thing. It was Oracle. I'm not sorry. What it might be Yeah, it's flash. definitely old school. Yeah, it's super old school, and maybe it's just because this is not the type of licensing that I'm used to, that it feels very foreign and very deceptive to me. Um, well, it would,
0: f- seem, it would seem to me that if they're going to actually make a product that can uh, do do what they claim, then it would probably take a lot, a hell of a lot of work.
1: Yeah. So it was interesting, though. The reason they say they split it between platforms is some companies don't give both give all their developers both platforms. They'll just have the shared code base, right? Which they use the portable class library thing in .NET. And the one guy who does um, who does iOS will have the iOS license, and the other guy will have Android. Oh, okay. Which kind of makes sense, but yeah. not the way we work over at Fingertip. We're kind of all...
0: Right, one guy. Less, so at the, at a lot of places, probably. you got the Android guys, you got the uh, right. iOS guys and gals, but at Fingertip, one person could make the android or the ios version
1: more or less i mean we have you know the biggest separation i'd say is we have server guys who just don't do front end
0: nice but. can i be one of those guys if if this podcasting <laughs> thing doesn't work out i'll come do that
1: ironically I- uh, to my knowledge they're all on linux
0: hey there you go
1: A- and arch is creeping up at fingertip it's very annoying okay.
0: trap will you lose your freedom watch out for that arch man once it gets you
1: Track. Every time someone brings in a Linux machine, I get another Mac just to <laughs> counterbalance you guys.
0: Right? Yeah, to even it all out. <laughs> nice. So, so uh, yeah. what? Uh, so, you kind of started to talk a little bit. Are you shipping apps now with this? Have you shipped an app to a customer using Xamarin uh, Studio and uh, writing it in C Sharp and deploying it to uh, iOS and Android? And how does that yeah. work? So. You know, you said you don't write once and you say you didn't, you can't write once and then build for either. So are you writing like a, a, like a core and a top or?
1: Let's get into that a little bit. Yeah, I'm curious about that. um, Our quiet but present .NET listeners will know about portable class libraries, right? What is a portable class library? It is basically a fancy way to say this code compiles to the CLR and it is platform neutral. Um, Meaning that it can be. You can compile it and then it can compile to like Xamarin, which they call like monotouch.android monotouch. I think they say Apple or iPhone. I don't remember what the exact extension is. Not super important. Uh, But it could also be compiled for Windows. It could also be compiled for WinPhone. It could also be compiled for really anything else that adheres to that PCL specification, right? That CLR deal. Super complicated way to say the code is platform neutral. Now, in that uh, portable class library, you have to be super careful about what assemblies you call in, right? Because once you call in an assembly that doesn't exist on all the platforms you're targeting, you can't compile. Which is really obnoxious. Yeah, Because uh, Microsoft has a rich open source tool called NuGet that has very, very, very few things that are compatible like that. Again, this is a side effect of probably Xamarin being new. And you know, over on the .NET side, the open source culture is is kind of in its infancy.
0: So is this? So this isn't forcing developing for the common lowest denominator.
1: No, and here's why. So your portable class library would only can contain like your database access, your networking access, your uh, your sorting. I mean, maybe we should do like a case example, right? Let's say you're doing a taskless app. Everybody understands that, right? It would have your data models. You are dealing with, uh, you know, perhaps sorting your tasks. Your algorithms there dealing with user accounts. As soon as you got into visuals or platform specific stuff, you would end up writing platform specific coding in class example. For instance, if you had a uh, let's say a table view that lists all your tasks, right? So let's say you had a, like a task for today view in this example. You would have two separate classes. One would be UI table view controller. You know, daily tasks. On the Android side, you have daily task activity. And you'd have to write those two pieces of code quite separately, right? 100% separate. But they would call into the portable class library for the data models, the networking, uh, the database access.
0: And that stuff you can use over and over again. I would right, because
1: that stuff is totally platform neutral. Yeah. So, you know, you're making an HTTP GET request. It doesn't matter, right? Like, it, it it's fine. Though there is a trick where you have to be careful that you, you have to watch your threading a little bit. And, you know, there's some things you really have have to be... You know, .NET is a big, big space. And you can Google around how to do something in C Sharp and get a lot of examples that will automatically crash on mobile. So they use the main thread. So you have to really buy into the gospel of the uh, await and uh, async await thing in C Sharp, which basically... I mean, how can we say this? It, it, it does asynchronous operations, but not necessarily networking operations, right? Mm. Though it is commonly used for networking. So mm. let's let's do a, a... Here's a trivial example, right? That HTTP GET response I was talking about. That should be an async await task. Wait, opening a file, no matter how small a file, in Xamarin should also be an async await task. Yeah, sure. Which you might not expect it to be, right? Because you could get away with that in native iOS and probably native Android. Okay. Um, it's just a quirk with, with the way it works, and you just have to be a little more
0: cognizant as you're going about.
1: Well, Keep to it be honest, mind. you shouldn't be doing any of this crap on the main thread anyway. Yeah. But it's less forgiving um, than, certainly, than certainly Native, Native Objective C is, right? It, it is far less forgiving. So if you think something should be asynchronous, it probably should. it causes you to really think about how you structure your code and it forces you to really separate your UI from your business logics because anything that's in the UI, you have to write twice.
0: Yes. Right.
1: So, you know, there's, you know, there's a common joke with iOS developers that where's your code? Oh, it's all in the take It's all in the view controller, which is everything in the view controller, right? (laughs) It's just, you know, or the app delegate on a Mac app. Is Xamarin, Classic, at least, will punish you severely for that by making you write everything twice, and therefore debug the same code twice. Right?
0: Am I wrong, or can you also make um, a desktop application with this? Can you can you use this to uh, make a mono app for?
1: You can use it to make a, a Mac app. Now a Mac there app. are okay. there are rumors of a Windows eight offering coming out. Okay. Um but the way they've architected this, there's no reason that they couldn't just keep adding platforms, right?
0: But like say, you know, I mean cause I guess what I'm thinking about there is uh, I I like the idea that if we accept the reality, it seems like a lot of companies are just have just decided, all right, we're gonna make mobile apps like media streaming and stuff like that. Right. And maybe we'll make a web front end. And then what I'm hoping is if things like this come along and it really makes it possible to create desktop apps too and you know, if they're writing the UI separately, so it's 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 designed to be a desktop application from a design standpoint, uh, you know, something that facilitates that uh, could at least keep applications coming to the desktop. It's, you know, because right now it just seems like all of all of these companies and, and developer time and attention is, is really mobile focused, which, you know, it's like we said earlier, it's where the money's at. But I like the idea that at least some of these tools could be repurposed to make desktop applications, too.
1: But well, they already are, right? There is Samr and Mac Mac. Yeah. I'm not sure that the future of desktop apps isn't like Chrome apps still.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I I don't. I, I'm not sure how how many native desktop apps you're going to have in the future. Oh. You might have like a lot of small utility apps from yeah. small developers, like like maybe people like that. But you're not going to get. You know, Spotify has a native desktop app on both platforms, but its Chrome app works just fine. Mm -hmm. And I'm not entirely sure that, you know, had Spotify started a few years later, would there be desktop apps? Yeah, that's true.
0: Yeah, I mean, Um, Pandora gets away with it for for the most part.
1: Yeah. So anyway, the bottom line is I definitely like Xamarin. I definitely like where it's, uh, where it is going.
0: Do you feel like it could give you guys a bit of an edge?
1: Well, I feel like it's, an, it's a great tool in the toolbox, right? It's it's just an, another tool in the tool belt. Like any other tool, it is not right for everybody. It's well, but like isn't
0: project. it maybe one of them? I mean, okay, if I'm misunderstanding, it sounds like you could, you can reclaim an S-ton of time and tell a client uh, you might be able to budget lower than somebody else because because of this tool. I mean, it sounds like potentially for the clients that are looking for multi-platform support, that usually comes at a premium and they can come to fingertip and they say... We want this and you guys if assuming the other guys that are bidding aren't using a tool like this, you're gonna have an advantage.
1: So we find that we're bidding against a lot of HTML five shots.
0: Ah. So, so they already, already are already, kind of coming at it from that angle.
1: Right. And they still tend to be a bit lower. Uh, because they're kind of shipping PhoneGap Gap and jQuery mobile. Right. They that have makes a lot sense. Of like, yeah,
0: that does. Yeah. yeah. Boy, that's a balls, but see so then you have to see if you can win the native battle, right? Is that you go that approach right, you'd be so, like performance?
1: Yeah, the other thing is like, I'm not sure how native Xamarin is. Like, technically, I've I read the docs, and you know, it is certainly compiling to native code, and certainly, I mean, we've done some benchmarking. It is pretty much there, right? No, no significant, no visible uh, difference between a native app and a Xamarin app that we've been able to find in the use case of normal line of business apps, right? Games
0: are a whole different story. Yeah. yeah. This is amazing. So two different posts uh, to yep. GitHub, and they've uh, caught the attention of our subreddit and many others on Reddit. So it's not just our subreddit. It's in the drama, but everybody is. Uh, and here's the first one. I'm just going to read it to you, okay? Or actually just a couple of highlights because it's a damn fine letter, but it's just way too long. Uh, anonymous writes, of course, on a, in a, just on GitHub, uh, an open letter to Zamarian. please stop abusing your monopoly. Uh, he says, I've been using Zimerian for the past half year, almost full time, developing an application for both iOS and Android. Everything in this letter is based on my personal experience with this technology. And it goes on for quite a bit, so I extracted a couple of the good bits. Uh, he or she says, I'd really like to know what the priority is at Xamarin because it seems that cool thing to demo is way up high, and working software is hiding way down in the corner somewhere where nobody sees it. I hope that someone at Zimerian is actually reading the error reports that Xamarin Studio generates. Does anyone there actually use Zimmerian Studio? Or is it just something you guys sell and never try yourself? Throwing exceptions on undo and save is something no editor should ever do. Period. Please stop adding new features and go fix some bugs. There are hundreds of them just in the UI editor alone. Uh, and he has a list here. Uh, an S-ton of null exceptions at runtime. Save doesn't always on work, work. Undo doesn't always work. Android UI designer sometimes design to decides to F up the whole design. Then a second post, um, this one because of uh, because of uh, GitHub's uh, spam system got pulled down, but I grabbed the Google cache of it so we can still see it, uh, and I have that linked in the show notes. Uh, second post, Zumerian makes me sad, my message to them. Uh, here's the TLDR version, I love C-sharp more than any other language, but Zumerian is horrible. I wish it were mono, and I wish mono were never invented, it's a disgrace, completely broken and buggy, and the most broken thing in the entire universe, but I still use it. Why? Because I can write for two platforms. If it was one, well, not really. But because I work on small apps, I don't have to write all the business crap twice. That's about as good as Xamarin is, and that's the only thing. Uh, they can actually they can they can actually compile plain C sharp. Hooray! If only the rest of the crap it, it was exp- if only the rest of the expensive broken crap actually worked as advertised. If you don't believe me, just go to their bugs and look at their bug tracker and look at the mono release notes. Just look at the list of shiny features. Well, half of that crap is either broken, or was never implemented, or she doesn't work as documented. Everything is just everything is just a lie. that should make it look good. Xamarin does thousands of things. They release new iOS SDK the same day Apple releases it. Wow! If only they waited a year and released a working version instead, they make thousands of cool features, but they're all broken.
1: All right, so yes. you know, I, I've been using Xamarin a bit, and so there's a few things here. I'm gonna, you know, little defense of Xamarin. I have not experienced any iOS 8 issues, anything like that in Xamarin, period. Uh, Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin.Android are fine. Xamarin.iOS is definitely better by a pretty significant margin. Um, in our testing here, Xamarin.Android needs a little more TLC when you're working on it. It's not unusable, but it's, um, you can tell that there's a preference over at Xamarin, right? That there's a little more TLC on the iOS side. But all in all, Xamarin Classic, as we refer to it, is fine. Xamarin Forms is a steaming pile of shit.
0: <laughs> wow. We
1: did a POC app for someone, and we ended up totally rewriting it outside of Xamarin Forms. Really? Because there is a memory link in moving from one page to another. Now, before the, oh, that's so mean to talk about this publicly, people email me, I have been working with Xamarin for almost a month now on this issue, and they have um, given me the, hey, man, we're working on it. Hmm. But I think it's, you know, as my team has been working nights and weekends to rewrite the app, and we paid thousands of dollars in Xamarin right, licenses. Right, right. Um, I'm pretty sure that I would like to see Miguel stay up and his buddy Jason stay up as well.
0: Well, now, uh, but doesn't this get back to, see, I mean, don't you think it's a little cheap to throw around the price? Because doesn't that get back to software pricing and how it's all out of whack
1: anyways? Uh, if you buy a broken refrigerator, you are entitled to a refund. If you go to a restaurant and there's glass in your salad, you are entitled to a refund. If you go to a restaurant and your salad's fine, but your soup has a dead roach in it, you are entitled to a refund. Yeah, I suppose is so. where I'm going with Yeah, this? I do. I follow you. So half, in my opinion, Xamarin.Forms is half of the product. Wow. I believe that everyone, because it's part of the value prop, right? Right ones, It's very simple enterprise-style applications. Um, i uh, my opinion that everyone who in the last year has purchased a Xamarin license of anything above indie, right, where you'd be entitled to forms so business and up, yeah, should be entitled to a minimum of 50% refund. And in my mind Xamarin does offer consulting, they should be frankly, they should be working on your customer apps and your internal apps to resolve the issues. Hmm. These these are memory issues that in forms at least you have no way to access the low enough level to resolve on your own. Right. So it's not like, oh, be a better low-level developer. I can write C++. I can write Objective-C. And ironically, the issues do not exist on iOS. So that goes to show you that. Or rather, they're less less—they're uh, not as prevalent, and they don't cause crashers on iOS. So again, Xamarin Classic, wonderful tool. I have not experienced really anything negative other than Xamarin Studio on Windows being kind of flaky. Yeah, I've heard that pretty too. Ob- it's pretty obvious if you're using Windows, they want you to use Visual Studio. Yeah,
0: exactly. And Z- I guess it Xamarin, works better on uh, Linux and Mac, right?
1: Yeah. Xamarin Forms, well, I don't know that there's a Linux version. Xamarin Forms is wonderful on iOS and totally broken on Android. And it's broken in a very sneaky, memory-leaky way where you won't notice till you're at that like 80% point mm-hmm. and you need to start QAing and putting on polish.
0: Takes and- a while to sneak up on you, you're saying?
1: Yeah, and let me let me add some documentation, lest people think I'm cruel. I'm going to point you to the bug where they confirmed the oh, issue. Oh,
0: very good, yeah, okay. I'll, I can toss that in the show notes, too, so we have that. Uh, yeah, you so know this.
1: That's- this is where we get into, you know, in the world of open-source software, like if Rails has a bug, in my opinion, nobody has the right to bitch, right? But when you're paying what is a very significant amount of money for developer tools in today's market, right... You just simply, simply cannot tolerate this. Agreed. And frankly, if I was Miguel de Acasa, I would be out publicly firing people, shaming people. There would be very, very firm responses to this.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't mean to – so this seems inevitable because of what the goal they're trying to accomplish is so vast. They are trying to essentially keep, keep up with the innovations of Google, Apple, and Microsoft all at once
1: but they're not right so so that's the problem on Xamarin classic they're just writing basically a net wrap around android and ios and that works just fine i think xamarin classic is a great product okay xamarin forms is the old write runs run anywhere except they released it as a 1.0 finished product and there's this massive bug like this has nothing to do with being a fanboy on ios as people are writing in the chat or being, you know, <laughs> foolishly technical. This is being shitty at managing your product. Right. You release something that you knew or should have known was broken. You charge people thousands of dollars for it. And when someone complains, you say, hey, man, we're working, but we have lives too. Uh, sorry, go fuck yourself. You don't have a life. Right. Like, <laughs> we spend a you, lot of money for this. And in my mind, they're legally liable. They should be culpable for any losses, any of their, their customers sustain because of using forms. Wow, it's that bad. Hint, hint, considering suing Xamarin. Uh, Yeah, no, it's that bad. Like, this is is incompetence on a level that's almost mind-bending. And the fact that I'm still dealing with middle management is very disturbing. And I'm not alone. That's the sad part about this.
0: Hmm. So, I mean, I, I was wondering if maybe we'd read through these reviews. Because, to be honest, when I read these, these people sound like they're being emotional and reactionary. Um, I mean, it, everything has problems. But it sounds like the problems are severe enough that it, it causes uh, you not to be able to deliver the product you've, been able to pr- you've promised the customer.
1: Well, the problems are you were sold something, and as part of the price, you're getting Xamarin forms. right? I have not experienced the problems that these people say they're experiencing with Xamarin.iOS and Xamarin.Android. But the problem is you were sold half of a product... Half of it does not work,
2: hmm.
1: and that this is. Think about this: if Microsoft released Microsoft Office and Excel simply did not work, heads would roll. End of discussion, right? You know the Samurai guys love .NET so much. I'd like to see what Satya Nadella would do to the guy who said Excel was ready to ship and it was totally broken.
0: Yeah, you wonder too uh how uh how some of these platform owners feel about Xamarin or Xamarin screwing the pooch like this. Like it doesn't make it doesn't well, make the applications because I, on that. You
1: know, I've heard I've heard the Xamarin team running about and going on all these iOS podcasts and talking about how wonderful it is. They're not so quick to go and talk about forms though, or to go and talk about Android. It's uh it's really interesting. It's almost like selective marketing. So it really but is you're selling you're se- right. you're selling forms as yeah. to what we're finished. Yeah. It because really why? is though. Android around, second. If you turn around and said forms wasn't finished at this point, you yeah. would be legally culpable, and people would be entitled to refund and damages.
0: Right, right.
1: That's what this is all about.
0: Uh, Android second, iOS first, and then they they, oh, and they Android,
1: called it Xamarin. Xamarin works. Xamarin Forms does not work on Android. And you could say, oh well, just don't use Xamarin Forms pages navigation system. That's the whole point, right? I mean, if you're going to use Xamarin Forms and rewrite native pages, then you might as well just write regular Xamarin or write two native apps at that point.
0: Hmm, that's a good point. I mean, seriously, at that point, it, it would turn out better, and you'd have more low-level controls, and you'd have more troubleshooting right. capabilities. And
1: really, do you want to be tied what's to... What's really ironic is is if you go into this bug tracker, not ironic, but really indicative of how they think, and, oh, Android's next on the hit list. I'm sorry, is there one of you? right. Or, and, and you know, we have the full tool chain here, so we're getting all these great updates for iOS 8. Yeah, <laughs> Xamarin Forms and Android is broken. In my mind, if you have a broken product out there, that's a showstopper. Guess what? Maybe you don't get the day one marketing iOS 8 release. You fix the product you already sold to your customers.
0: Right, exactly. That's it. Yeah.
1: You don't worry about, you know, the new page detail view for the iPhone 6 Plus, <laughs> the new extension stuff in iOS 8. Gotta you gotta have You do right by your existing customers. <laughs> and frankly you should compensate them for their time and their losses
0: yeah uh, i think it, i you know i think the problem is is they are extremely limited in resources and it simply comes down to the fact that they're making their money because of ios
1: no the problem is is that their 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 management is cowardly that's their problem
0: well maybe so i think maybe that's very true because of the reasons i just said but i think that's probably what it, that's
1: right. cuz here here here's the defense right we're doing some very hard stuff Great, then do it if you, and if, if being hard is your excuse for shipping a bad product, do it as open source. Don't charge for it. And uh, great. Right? Yeah. Right. If you're charging, this is a commercial product, that's not an excuse because right. you're not charging five bucks a month. You're charging thousands of dollars per person, per seat, per platform, actually.
0: Mike's ready for a lemon law. For all
1: right, well I got oh, No, I'm, I'm ready for no, I'm ready for some accountability. Instead of going on I, Miguel De Casa, you want to come on next week? Instead of going on all the iOS podcasts talking about how excited you are about iOS 8 and about the new iPhones, why don't you talk about how you screwed about 30% of your customers?
0: I would love it if you wanted to come on. That'd be great. And we we could have a nice chat. I think the, the the question would really be is I don't think that's gonna fit into the marketing <laughs> message very much. So I wouldn't be too surprised if that didn't happen. Not exactly the message they want to put out right now, uh, and it's pretty frustrating. And it's interesting; that it sort of seems to be bubbling over for a lot of folks. Do you think uh, it's particularly exacerbated right now because they've been so focused on iOS because of the new release, and so that's why there's I, I so think, much? I cries think right that's
1: here? hurting. And I think one thing is that Xamarin Forms—you um, can feel that they definitely rushed it out, and that there, there's a little bit of a narrative. What some of the developers who didn't try it saying, "Oh, well, I mean, that's obviously the lazy way." Well. Mm. But you bought it, right? So you might as well try it.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's like saying, "Oh, well, I bought the steak and salad, but, you know, steak's bad for you, right? You sh- shouldn't eat steak." Well, what seems so eat the salad and then you won't have any problems.
0: What seems interesting to me that I'm noticing is um there there seems to be a lot of like uh, problems that would be pretty obvious with some basic QA, too.
1: Right. So how how can you not go four views into an Android app and see it crash? Like right. how the hell does even the most Incompetent college aged QA person not catch that,
0: which just implies a total you know secondary priority status.
1: It implies that no one looked. Yeah, it's it's it is the simplest thing. I bet you we could have give, given Dylan the QA job and he would have done a better job.
0: Probably, he's good at finding those bugs.
1: They're like, hey, it closed.
0: <laughs> Surprisingly good, those kids are finding bugs like that. <laughs> That brings us to the end of episode 194. I cannot believe how close we are to 200 episodes. Thank you for listening. CodaRadioReddit.com is where you go to submit feedback, comments, topics you want us to cover. CodaRadioReddit.com, JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact for direct feedback. And join us live, won't you? JBLive.tv, JupiterBroadcasting.com slash calendar for the times in your local time zone. We usually do it uh, on Mondays. Unless Mike is sick, then, then it's all up in the air, so jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar is probably the best place to go. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Coda Radio, and we'll see you right back here next week. Feel better, Mike!